Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on His side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. All right. Hello, Las Vegas. Whoa, I just blew out one of my headphone sides there. That was weird. Never done that before. Wow. Okay. Let's uh, let's adjust some volume here. You're listening to The Frittle Show on 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. I am back, and we are in business. I know I've been out um, most of the week, just had some uh, family things that I needed to deal with, some things that I couldn't help. Tuesday morning I had a flat tire, which prevented me from being here in my normal time slot. Uh, So just a variety of things have been going on this week that I haven't been able to be in here and do a live program with you, but today that changes. So we are going to get to the whole Donald Trump Jr. Uh, Did he collude with Russia? Did he want to collude with Russia? Can we determine the motive? We'll talk about all of that because it's in the news and so we will. We'll get there because we haven't talked about it yet this week. And you know, sometimes people ask me, well, how do you come up with story ideas? Well, and, and, and during the election, it was funny because people would say, well, what are you going to talk about once the election is over? And that's a, that's a good question. But you don't really have to look far if you're just talking. Here's what we talk about on my program. We talk about news. We talk about culture. We talk about politics. And there's always stuff going on in news and culture and politics, even if there's not an election happening. It just so happens that when there's an election going on, that tends to dominate the news for obvious reasons. So to answer the questions of where do you get material from when it's not an election cycle, well, the news, social media. What are people talking about? What are people struggling with? What is going on in our culture that we are having to deal with and that we should be thinking through as, as citizens and as Christians? So for our opening segment today, I want to deal with this issue, which I encountered yesterday on social media. A feminist by the name of Jill Filipovic, I'm not familiar with her, you may be, she's the author of the recent uh, new book on the feminine pursuit, the feminist rather, pursuit of happiness. I didn't know who she was. But somehow she was retweeted into my Twitter timeline, and I saw this tweet from her, which said, quote, Having children is one of the worst things you can do for the planet. Have one less and conserve resources. Well, naturally, I thought that that goes against pretty much everything I've ever thought or believed. And she retweeted... She quoted a tweet, rather, with her tweet from The Guardian. And what The Guardian tweeted was, Want to fight climate change? Have fewer children. So this is apparently the thing now. This week, we have discovered that the answer to climate change, 
not by the way notice we weren't specific about that one we're, we're not sure if having fewer children will help with global warming or global cooling possibly both so we'll just say that it'll help with climate change if you will just have fewer children well clearly this stands in stark opposition to what the bible teaches and to what jesus said you know we, we have a, a multitude of instances throughout scripture matthew 18 Jesus brings a little child among them and says, unless you become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever becomes like this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Now contrast that to what is being said by one of America's leading feminists. Who says that having children is one of the worst things you can do for the planet. So you should have less and conserve resources. That story of Jesus is told again in Mark 10. And then again in Matthew 19. Jesus says let the little children come to me and don't hinder them. For such is the kingdom of heaven. Luke 18. We have it again. We have Psalm 127, which tells us that children are the heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Like arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of one's youth. They will not be ashamed, but they will sit their enemies, or happy, or blessed. Uh, we memorized this when I was a teenager. I don't remember which it is in the King James, because that's the version I memorized it in. But it goes on to say... Uh, Happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be ashamed, but he will sit with his enemies in the gates. Proverbs talk about how children are a crown. Matthew 18 talks about not despising one little child, for their angels in heaven are standing before the Father and beholding his face. In Luke 9 and in Mark 9, the disciples were having an argument about which one of them would be the greatest. Jesus took the little child and said, Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. And it goes on and on. This is what the Bible says about children. The Bible says that children are a gift from God. That children are a blessing. That children are a reward. But the Guardian has an article titled, Want to Fight Climate Change? Have Fewer Children. This is by a guy named Damian Carrington, the environment editor over at The Guardian. And he said this, he said, The greatest impact individuals can have in fighting climate change is to have one fewer child, according to a new study that identifies the most effective ways people can cut their carbon emissions. The next best actions are selling your car, avoiding long flights, and eating a vegetarian diet. These reduce emissions many times more than common green activities such as recycling, using low-energy light bulbs, or drying washing on a line. However, the high-impact actions are rarely mentioned in government advice and school textbooks research found. And it goes on and on, and I'm, I'm not going to get into the ramifications. But what they're saying is that everyone would, if everyone would just have one less child there would be fewer carbon emissions. There are so many issues that I have with this 
let's start with with this one, which I touched on briefly before. When I was growing up, everyone was worried about the ice age. Then it turned into global warming. Now, because we know for a fact that the earth goes through phases and stages where sometimes it's colder, sometimes it's hotter, and it swings, the pendulum swings back and forth. We've seen this all throughout history, where it will be cold, and then it'll be hot, and then it'll be cold, and then it'll be hot. But since we have realized that we can't just push this global cooling, but we also can't just push global warming, now we just call it climate change. And the new answer to stopping the climate from changing is if we would all just have fewer children. Now you might be listening today and you might not uh, know Jesus, you might not be saved, you might not read the Bible. But from a Christian perspective, I would argue that this is <laughs> this is coming straight from Satan. Because you know who Satan hates? This is what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that Satan hates mankind because man is made in the image of God. And Satan hates every person born on this planet. And I don't know, but it seems to me if you're Satan and you're going, alright, I've got to get there to be less of these image bearers. There has to be less of these people, these beings that bear God's image, and so we'll, 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 we'll brand it as, this is good for you, this is good for your planet, this is, this is how you help one another, this is how you save your communities, you have less of these children, you have less of these people that bear God's image. And so we're like, if we'll just have less children, this is what science is telling us now. If we'll just have less children, this will decrease the world's population, which will lower our emission standards by lowering our, um, our, our population rates, and then we won't overpopulate, and then everything will be fine, and everything will be great. But I, I don't have time to get into today. <laughs> if you want a fun study, look at the actual emissions from, say, the United States versus, like, China or Russia. It's very interesting. But if you want to talk about overpopulation and somehow argue that having more people is causing us all to die and is destroying our planet, it's simply not true. I mean, there, this, this is just the latest in a long series of myths that have been repeatedly debunked. I mean, we've been told that there isn't enough food on the earth. We can't produce enough food to sustain us all. But the fact of the matter is, the world is currently producing enough food to feed 10 billion people, and there are only 7 billion people on the planet right now. So, uh, we have 7 billion human minds, and out of those 7 billion human minds, we've figured out how to produce enough food for 10 billion human bodies. Imagine if we had 10 billion minds how much food we could produce. LifeSiteNews.com has uh, just a, a plethora of information on these on this issue, they have um, they have a post called "How to Debunk the Myth of Overpopulation." It's excellent. It's got just simple, easy facts, and it talks about how yes, there are still hungry people in the world, but that's not caused by the number of people on the planet. 
And then they go on to outline how it's actually not caused by people, but by catastrophic political failures, which is very interesting. And then there's the myth that, well, we're going to run out of water. If we don't run out of food, we'll run out of water. We're not going to run out of water. The Earth has plenty of water. 70% of the planet is water. And the average depth of that 70% of the planet's water is 6,000 feet. That's why, okay, now you, you have a picture of the, of the planet from space. What color prevails? What color does Earth look like from space? Primarily, it looks blue. Let's put two and two together here. What's blue on our planet that covers the vast majority of it? Water. And water, you can't get rid of water. You can change its the form that it's in, but it doesn't go away. And the fact is, yes, there is enough fresh water. Freshwater availability has increased sevenfold since 1900, while the world population has increased only fourfold. Additionally, and this is, I think, one of the most exciting scientific uh, developments of my lifetime thus far, and that is that Israel, Israel is doing this amazing work where it is taking water, uh, ocean water, and turning it into drinkable, potable water. It's an amazing. Uh, they have these desalination plants, and what they're doing is they're they're they're, they're using these new, these new. I don't I don't know what it is. If it's tubes or tunnels or, <laughs> I don't know how this works. I'm not a I'm not a a, a saline scientist, but they're taking this salt water and they're putting it into these machines that are basically pulling out the salt molecules but then what happens is because it's it's seawater there are microorganisms that live in the seawater so we've been able for a long time we've known how to take out the salt our problem is we've never been able to get rid of these microorganisms in an effective way and what will happen is even after you remove the salt these microorganisms that live in the water will colonize and 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 basically make the water undrinkable for human use and that's always required uh, costly chemical intensive cleaning and so it's it's made seawater basically unusable we haven't used it in history of the earth for the most part for drinking because we couldn't figure out how to do this but in Israel they have developed a chemical free system they're using porous lava stone and with this lava stone, they're being able to capture the microorganisms and remove them from the water. And today, Israel is getting 55% of its domestic water. The, the water that the people of Israel are using is coming from this process. It's coming from the ocean. It's coming from desalination. And Israel, which was in a in a catastrophic drought situation one of the world's driest countries just years ago is now becoming a water giant they are now teaching other countries how to do this i believe they're even uh teaching somewhere in san francisco or somewhere along the california coast right now there are 
uh, excuse me, Israeli scientists working to help us, or rather to help California, learn how to do this. And it's just incredible. Which, by the way, fun fact, Israel is saying, hey, we can help our neighbors. The Middle East is, is desperately needing water. And the only country that has a surplus of water right now is Israel. And wouldn't it be fascinating? Think about all the word pictures. Think about all the analogies. If Israel is the country that ends up being able to give water to its enemies, to the countries surrounding it that many of whom hate it and want them wiped off the map. But Israel is creating water and innovating and there is water not only in Israel but there is enough water in the planet there is enough fresh water for everyone plenty of water now that doesn't mean that there aren't places in the world that are suffering from a lack of food or a lack of water but as I said it's it's not something that there's not enough for all the people that are on the planet it's that there are people on the planet that don't have good access to water. So you could say, you know, what we need in this world for all of us is, is not to have one less child. It's not that we need more contraception or more abortion. Maybe, you know, what would be good is we need more canals. We need more pipelines. We need more innovation so we can get water to people. And then there's this issue of, oh, but we're, we're growing too fast. We can't sustain ourselves and, and the carbon emissions. And if we could just slow down population growth, the world would be better off. The planet would be good. And we're just, we're overpopulating. No, we're not. We're not. Most of the growth right now on the planet and population rates is happening in developing countries. Between 1950 and 2000, LifeSite News reported, uh, the world population grew at a, w a rate of 1.76%. Between 2000 and 2050, it is expected to go grow by just 0.77%. So there is a positive growth rate, but it is a slowing growth rate. But in places like Europe, the UN did a report titled World Population 2300. And in that report, they said this. They said, the European Union, which has recently expanded to encompass 452 to 455 million people, would fall by 2,300 to only 59 million people. Did you catch that? From 455 million people at their current birth rates current birth rates in Europe in countries that were part of the European Union and I believe this would have this was uh, this study was done while the UK would have been part of the Europe the EU so that would include Britain but at current birth rates in just over 200 years we will see the population of those countries fall from 455 million to 59 million 
going to lose 400 million people. About half the countries of Europe, according to LifeSiteNews.com, would lose 95% or more of their population. And countries such as the Russian Federation and Italy would only have 1% of their population left. In other words, the French, German, Italians, and British will virtually cease to exist. Overpopulation is not an issue. Our planet is not overcrowded. Our planet can sustain everyone that we have and then some. At current population rates, you could give every man, woman, and child, every human being on this planet, five acres of land. Every person on the planet could have five acres of land. Every man, woman, and child, every person on the planet could each be given a half of an acre of land that could be farmed. And if you're just one person, a half acre of land can get that can produce a lot of crops. And if you wanted to stand shoulder to shoulder with people, we could fit every single person in the world, every man, every woman, every child, every single human being on this planet, standing shoulder to shoulder, would all fit on the island of Zanzibar. The island of Zanzibar. Now, if you're like me and you're like, I've heard the name Zanzibar, but I honestly couldn't point to it on a map right now, I will help you out. Zanzibar is an island off the coast of Tanzania. It's not very big. And yet every person on the planet could stand shoulder to shoulder. We could fit everybody on this island. For comparison's sake... In case you, again, are not overly familiar with Zanzibar. Zanzibar is 950 square miles. Sounds pretty big, right? The United States is 3.8 million square miles. Say that again. Zanzibar, 950 square miles the United States, 3.8 million square miles. I believe the city of New York is a little over 300 square miles. So the entire island of Zanzibar is roughly three New York cities. The in population of the entire world could be fit into what would basically be three New York cities. Is that not absolutely crazy? And that's with everyone standing shoulder to shoulder. You don't even have to be crammed on the subway. Just stand shoulder to shoulder. Everybody would fit three New York cities. I, I find that absolutely fascinating. And I find that it runs in stark uh, opposition, if you will, to what the media would have us believe. It doesn't do the planet any favors for you to have one less child. And in fact, it could very well be doing you a disservice. You know, I was talking with my mom about this a few weeks ago. My mom is a very wise woman. But uh, we were talking about what a difference it makes if you grow up and grow old around children. And if you don't. 
I mean, you may have seen this. You may have noticed it. There's there's the grandparents that are that are the fun grandparents, and there are the grandparents whose house is more like a museum. There's the uncles who build forts with you and play baseball with you. And then there's the uncles who sit on the couch and play Xbox and get mad if you run in front of the screen. You know, my dad has to be the epitome of the best grandpa I have ever seen. At the moment, he has three grandsons, which in case you got lost somewhere, those would also be my nephews. And they are without question the cutest nephews on the planet. But these little dudes, they are all boy. I mean, they are men's men. And what does Grandpa do with them? Grandpa plays baseball with them. Grandpa goes fishing with them. Grandpa takes them uh, to sporting events. Grandpa takes them on tractor rides. Grandpa takes them to Chuck E. Cheese. They love Grandpa. Grandpa loves them, and they have so much fun together. And by the way, they love Grandma, too, and she's an awesome grandma. I'm just using Grandpa as the example because he's the one usually getting dirty doing boy things with them that they love. Grandma is who they want when they want cookies. And they know Grandma will give them cookies. But anyway, my point my point is this. If you were to ask me right now, Hey, Crystal, how old is your dad? I couldn't tell you. I honestly don't know off the top of my head how old he is. And that's not because I don't love him or I'm a terrible daughter. I don't know the year in which he was born. I think it was 1963, in fact. But even though he's had a heart attack and follow-up procedures, uh, including one just very recently, my dad, to me really doesn't seem all that much older than he did when I was growing up. And what's weird is that I can remember my dad's 30th birthday party. I remember that being a big deal, and I remember thinking how old he was. And now I'm older than my dad was when I thought how old my dad is. But now he he doesn't seem that much older than he did when I was growing up. My dad is the same God-honoring, fun-loving, amazing hero today as he was when I was a kid. And I believe that all the time that he spends with his children and his grandchildren helps to keep him young. I mean, everyone always wants to know the secret to staying young and healthy. Everyone's trying to find the fountain of youth. I've got to tell you, I think God built the fountain of youth right into the family system. I think being around children and loving children... is a big secret. Well, maybe not a secret, but a big part of staying young. I really do. And when you outgrow your ability to have good, clean fun, well, now you're old. (laughs) And I'm not saying that your 93-year-old grandma should be out riding roller coasters. Maybe she should. I don't know your grandma. But I believe that when God says that children are his reward, I think he means it. Because I don't think that God says things that he doesn't mean. So if God says, hey, you know what? I want to reward you guys. What is the best thing that I can give to those that bear my image? I will give them children. And I have so much respect for those who say, you know what? God says children are his reward. Why would I stop God from blessing me? And they trust God for the size of their family. And I know that's not something that everyone is comfortable with or everyone can do. But I, you know, I've seen it done over and over. And I've, I've seen it done successfully in some families. And honestly, I've seen it unsuccessfully in other families that the, the parents didn't have their relationship right. And it just produced heartache and agony. Um, but I've also seen where it has worked and it's 
worked out so well. And that's what my parents did. And to me, it's just incredible. You know, I have friends who live in Texas who I, I believe had nine children biologically and then adopted, I, I believe, 14 or 15 children now. And I've just, I've watched as God has blessed their family and blessed their business. And their children are some of the nicest, most compassionate, caring, Jesus-loving people I've ever met. And they are fun. You cannot hang out with them for five minutes without having fun. And sometimes, you know, it's so easy to get caught up in our serious little lives and all the problems we have going on in our adult worlds that maybe, maybe we need to hang out with little kids more often. Maybe we need to see life through a child's eyes. Maybe we need to build a fort or conquer the giant in the backyard. Maybe we need to love who God loves and God loves little children because every life is created by God on purpose with a purpose. Children are a blessing. Children, again, the Bible says, are literally a reward from God. And you might be listening right now and think, yeah, but you know, I'm not ready for children. God's already rewarded, or you know, they're saying, you're saying God's already rewarded me enough. I don't need any more rewards. Or maybe you don't believe in God at all. Maybe you think that life is an accident and expendable. But regardless of which side of that conversation you might happen to fall on, I want to leave you with this thought and then we'll, we have to go to a break. You need to understand that you know someone today. And you may not even know that you know them, but you know someone personally who is struggling. You may not be aware of their struggle, but I can almost guarantee you that you know someone today who is struggling to have children or who has recently learned they're unable to have children. You know a couple who is longing for a family. You may not know that they're having struggle but you know someone who is praying for a family and who would give anything to be able to have children like you have and there are so many couples who would be excited perhaps beyond what you can even imagine to have the privilege of raising a child so please please if God gives you children don't take that gift for granted because each and every child is a gift from God. And if you're pregnant today and perhaps it was unexpected and you don't feel ready and you don't know what to do, but you understand that child is a gift from God, or, or maybe you don't understand but you want to understand, we would love to help you. We would love to come alongside you. Because there are options for you and there are options for your baby. And if you're here in Las Vegas, there is a fantastic organization right here in our city called First Choice Pregnancy Services. And we have volunteers there from our church. We have volunteers there from all over Las Vegas that would love the opportunity to talk with you today about the options and the services that are available to you. And you can give them a call at 702-294-2273. It's First Choice Pregnancy Services. Your baby is not an accident. God is the only one who can create life. And every life that he creates, he creates on purpose with a purpose. Don't listen to the world. Don't listen to the media. We went over the numbers already. There's no overpopulation and it's not a service to the planet for you to terminate any pregnancy. 
Quite the contrary. The greatest thing that you can do with your life is to give life. Again, we would love to talk with you about that. You can call First Choice Pregnancy Services at 702-294-2273. Or you can reach out to us here at Liberty directly at 702-647-4522. We'd love to talk with you about this. Every life. God cares. God creates. God loves. Every single life. That was Matthew West with A Story Untold. Isn't that a great song? I really love that song. You can find it on uh, on Vimeo. He has a music video up there. It's a great shareable content for your social media. All right, let's hit some headlines since I promised that we would talk about Donald Trump Jr. and was he colluding and what's going on and Russians, Russians. Oh my goodness, the Russians. It's scare all over again. But not really at all. Okay, so let me try and break this down for you. I don't even know where to begin. Um, okay. I think I'll begin by saying this. Let's summarize what happened, and then we'll talk about the ramifications of it. During the campaign, Donald Trump Jr. receives an email. The email is from, quite frankly, a less than reputable source and should have been vetted. The emailer says, hey, I've got dirt on Hillary. Let's meet and we'll give it to you. Donald Trump Jr. says, hey, yeah, why not? This is great op research for our campaign and... Uh, he copies Paul Munford and Jared Kushner on the email. Now again, this, this is concerning because nobody sees a red flag. Apparently nobody really vets this individual who should not have ever been meeting with Donald Trump Jr. or anyone related to the Trump campaign. And if he had been vetted, they would have known he was an unreliable source anyway. So Trump Jr. meets with them. It's a nothing burger, if you will. And he gets zero information from them. They know nothing. And that's it. End of story. Except that's not the end of the story. Because the Hillary campaign and those on the left have long been pushing the narrative that Russia tampered with the election, that Russia was trying to get Trump elected, that Russia loves Trump, Russia loves Trump, Russia loves Trump. And if it weren't for Russia, Trump would not be president. There are several flaws with that theory, including namely that Russia did not cast a single vote in our election last year. But what really took the cake was that Donald Trump Jr. and the Trump administration has said repeatedly that they had zero contact with Russia, zero contact with Russians, that there was no collusion, that there was no effort of collusion. And it appears to be true. I mean, Donald Trump Jr. released the emails. There, there was no collusion. These people had nothing to give him. So they didn't give him anything. And without giving anything, then they're not colluding. But 
he did appear to go there in hopes of getting some dirt on Hillary, which would then be colluding with the Russians. But as it is, and what happened, is that nothing happened because, quite frankly, to the best of my knowledge from what I can find in my personal research, Donald Trump Jr. in that situation as a private citizen has broken no laws that I can find. I could be mistaken. This is a story that is developing and growing and changing and you know, when it, uh, what a tangled web we re weave when it first we practice to deceive. I mean, they would have been better off putting this out in the open a long time ago. The more that these things come out and the more that these things happen, the more hampered Trump's administration becomes because now they're fighting scandal uh, and whether it's a, a, a trumped up, no pun intended, a trumped up scandal or a legitimate scandal, it doesn't matter. The media will cling on to anything that has even the remotest uh, appearance of scandal. This is why we live above reproach. But this, the, the, the thing though, too, that we have to bear in mind is the extreme double standard here. Okay? Um, this is not... What Donald Trump Jr. attempted to do was not something new. And in fact, if you, if you do a Twitter search, it's really pretty fun. Remember when Mitt Romney was running for president and uh, everyone was making fun of him because he was saying that Russia was a threat and everyone was mocking him for thinking that Russia had any sort of play on the world stage, let alone that they could be any kind of influence in the United States at all. You should go look it up. You really should. Because there are some there are some winners. <laughs> there are some tweets that did not age well from members of the press saying that Russia is of no consequence and will not be for many, many, many years or eternity, in fact. I'm sorry, this is not a laughing matter, but I just, I find it amusing, because here's what's happening. Democrats are taking this issue and acting as though it is the worst thing that has ever happened in American politics in our lifetime. And then you have Republicans and, and Trump supporters who are acting as though this is completely innocent and nothing at all happened. And in reality, as is the case with most things that happen in the political sphere, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Generally, it's closer to one side or the other in the truth, but it's, it's rarely that one side's presentation of an issue is the entire issue. Because again, from everything that I've read, and I've read articles from both sides, but from everything that I've read, uh, best I can figure... Donald Trump Jr. did not break any laws, but was in fact very foolish in going to meet with these individuals. It was a very unwise thing to do. But because he didn't actually receive any information, there was no real colluding that was taking place, even though that appears to be the motive for him going there to begin with. And we could argue whether or not he even would have understood, because they ha their family does not have a political past, the ramifications of him potentially going to meet with them. Now, the fact that he carbon copied actual campaign staff people who should have been knowledgeable in that regard, that to me is far more concerning than even the fact that Donald Trump Jr. met with them. 
that part really doesn't concern me all that much. Because nothing happened, as we found out. But there's such a double standard. We, we live in this world of if my guy does it, it's okay. If your guy does it, it's evil. End of story. But this isn't something new. Senator Ted Kennedy, former senator from Massachusetts, twice reached out to the Soviet Union, not just Russia, but the Soviet Union, for election help. He lobbied the Soviet Union to sabotage Jimmy Carter's foreign policy efforts. He also reached out to them in, uh, that was in 1980. In 1983, he reached out to them in an attempt to undermine Ronald Reagan's foreign policy and weaken his re-election prospects in 1984. He even offered to set up television interviews in the United States in order to make the Soviets come across as more peaceful. This is a piece from uh, the Daily Wire has information on this. They have a, a post of about five times Democrats tried to work with the Russians to swing elections. Now, I'm not saying that what Donald Trump Jr. did is, is l somehow not on par with these other issues. I believe that it is. But what I'm trying to point out is the double standard. It's the whole, my guy does it, it's okay, your guy does it, it's wrong thing. And, and, and we can flip this around. Because when these things were happening and Democrats were doing them, Republicans and those on the right were, were saying that this was n not good. But now that it's Donald Trump Jr., well, now it's really not a big deal. And again, the truth is somewhere in the middle. In 2012, we had President Obama, remember the famous line, talking to Russian President Medvedev? After my election, I have more flexibility. And the dude says, I will transmit this information to Vladimir. In 1980, Jimmy Carter tried to work with the, Soviet, the Soviets to help him beat Ronald Reagan. In 1996, Bill Clinton pledged to support Russian President Boris Yeltsin if Yeltsin agreed to clean up negative issues. Hmm. In 1994 but there are some lawyers that I greatly respect that have determined the same. Though it was unwise and unadvisable for Donald Trump Jr. to go to this meeting, he did not, in fact, commit treason. Did he go there with the intent of colluding? I believe we could argue that he did. Did collusion actually take place? No, because no information was, in fact, traded. And then there's the argument of if even if there had been, would that even be illegal? I, I don't know. Then we get into a whole other issue. But when it comes to issues of the law, we don't deal with, well, what if this had happened? That doesn't happen in a courtroom. No one stands in a courtroom and says, well, what I would like you to look at is the scenario this direction. If this would have happened, then how would you judge? No, you go off of what actually happened. And this is what actually happened. And therefore, it is, quite honestly, 
a non-issue, in my opinion. Except for the fact that it is just something else that the Trump administration does not need as a distraction right now from doing things that they should be focusing on. That's my take on the Donald Trump Jr. slash Russia issue. We're going to take another break real quick. We'll come back to wrap things up. You're listening to 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. See, that song was very necessary because sometimes when I leave my house, actually pretty much all the time when I leave my house, my dog, Liberty, she's a golden retriever. If you've never seen her, she has her own uh, Facebook page, Lady Liberty. You can just go look at all the cute pictures of her. And believe me, there are a lot of them. Because I, here's the thing. I, when I got her, she was just so cute and fluffy and adorable. And I was like, I'm going to completely overwhelm all of my friends on social media because I just want to post pictures of her all the time and her fluffy cuteness. And I was like, well, perhaps we should just make her her own page so that way people like my mom and my siblings and people that are all into cuddly little animals, they can go and like her page and see pictures of her and then I don't have to overwhelm people on my own personal page with dog posts. But anyhow, uh, she is in this stage of shedding which she goes through multiple times a year and she is a very uh, cream colored golden she's a very light colored golden and her hair is very white and if you wear any kind of dark clothing by the time you leave the house you look like the abominable snowman because she loves you and she just shares so much of herself with you and um, so sometimes we have to play music so that I can get the little tape rolly thing and attempt to <laughs> remove the snowman from my person. Anyway, that was a very random fun fact. And now, as we have just moments left, let me tell you what might be the most important thing you hear today. Possibly. Today, July 13th. It is, yes, July 13th. It is... National French Friday. Not a French Friday. French fries. It is National French Fry Day. Fun fact for you, by the way. When you're writing French fry, you don't actually capitalize French. Because they're not French fries, as in from, from France. The French there is merely descriptive of how the fries are cut. It's kind of like French-style green beans. They're just, like, sliced like that. The French is just a description letting you know what kind of fries you're getting. Interesting, huh? So you don't need to capitalize it in this instance. And so I went hunting. I said, well, surely someone in America is giving away free French fries for National French Friday. Alas, I cannot tell a lie. I am greatly disappointed by the lack of free French fries happening in America today. You would think that the most American thing to do on National French Friday would be to give away free French fries. But alas, thus is not the case. However, if you live in Las Vegas, there's only one place that I've found that's actually giving away free French fries with no strings attached. There's all these different places that are like, oh, if you buy like $20 worth of stuff, we'll give you free French fries. 
Okay, maybe not $20. But most people are, if you buy this, then we'll give you free fries. Or you buy fries and we'll give you free fry refills. Different things like that. The only place that I found that's actually giving away free fries... And if you know of more, please let me know. You can send them to me on Twitter or Facebook, uh, at The Friddle, and I'll share them with all of our friends. But Slice of Vegas is serving free shoestring fries. You can get them either sweet potato or regular. Your choice of seasonings. No strings attached to the shoestring fries. Only place that I know of that you can get actual free fries today. Now, like, you can go to McDonald's. You can get a free medium order of fries with any large sandwich purchase. Uh, through July 24th, but that's something that's pretty much always there, so I don't even know why they're promoting that. Because if you get the McDonald's app, which I basically never go to McDonald's, but of all fast food-related apps that I've downloaded, which are very few, as a matter of fact, but McDonald's is the best one, and here's why. McDonald's app, if you ever go to McDonald's, you must have the McDonald's app, because there is almost always free stuff in the McDonald's app. It's like having coupons with you every time you go through McDonald's. So I would highly encourage you, if you ever go to McDonald's, download the app. Even if you do it while you're sitting in the drive-thru, you, you're basically guaranteed that you're going to get something for free. So, yes. Just FYI. And then there's places like IHOP. You can buy a burger at IHOP and get free seasoned fries, um, different things like that. But again, the only place that I have found that's giving away free fries, no strings attached, is down at Slice of Vegas with your choice of seasonings. And that's all the time we have left for today. Happy National French Fry Day, one and all. Thank you for being with us. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio in Las Vegas. Join us again tomorrow for Fun Friday. We are going to be giving away, I believe tomorrow we're giving away Adventures and Odyssey CDs. So be sure to tune in for that, be part of our Friday trivia, and win some cool prizes. See you tomorrow, everyone.